I think that it opens doors for the gospel. I think it opens doors for relationships. I think it improves lives. And I think that it um, is one of the best investments that can be made is to provide clean water. There's no better practical demonstration of the love of Christ than a cup of cold water. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, where we take you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and this week I'm excited to introduce you to an aspect of Samaritan's Purse projects that is changing entire communities and saving lives. Water, sanitation, and hygiene. In the humanitarian world, you'll often hear this referred to as WASH, and during this episode, you'll hear that acronym a few times. It encompasses projects like drilling wells, rehabilitating boreholes, piping clean water into schools, but also education as we teach communities on proper hygiene techniques like washing hands and how to keep water containers clean. March 22nd is World Water Day, and it's a day to recognize the importance of clean water and to advocate for people to have access to it. And so in honor of World Water Day, we wanted to talk about how Samaritan's Purse is involved. First, I talked with Ken Isaacs. He is the Vice President of Programs and Government Relations for Samaritan's Purse. And his background is actually in digging wells. So he's seen firsthand the life-changing impact that clean water has had around the world. You'll also hear other voices from our water projects around the world as we highlight these programs and how they practically save lives of people. I know we talked years ago about how much Samaritan's Purse is engaged. And I think people in the West, you know, in the United States, we don't understand why we need to take time to bring awareness, you know, because we don't think much of water here. We just flip on a switch. Take it for we have, granted. We take it for granted. Yeah. But, you know, around the world, that is people don't have access to clean water. Yes. So you you mentioned Samaritan's Purse is involved in, in many different uh, facets and programming. So that's what I want to talk about today. But I love the way we've adapted. Um, so talk about just why it's so important, why Samaritan's Purse is involved in WASH. So, you know, if you look at, um, uh, even in the Bible, uh, a cup of cold water in my name, mm. um, you know, I mean, there's reference made to the water, the, the woman at the well, people mm. going to the well. I mean, water is a, is a main driving force in life, the water of life. And so there's a, a lot of biblical references to it. And then when I think of the man that was in the ditch where the Samaritan was, you know, the Samaritan went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he put him on his donkey, and it says he took him to the inn where he took care of him. Well, what would that guy have needed? Well, the first thing I'm sure that he would need it was probably water. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's an inherent part of any kind of a meeting of human needs. And, you know, Jesus realized that. I, you know, that's a an obvious thing. And um, so at Samaritan's Purse, we really try to have a multi-sectorial approach. You know, we want to do medical. We want to do logistics. We want to do shelter. We want to do food. We want to do water or wash. And uh, we want to do, you know, non-food items. They say, you know, you can live three minutes without air, three days without water, and uh, like three weeks without food. And so water is right up at the top of the food chain of what is necessary to sustain human life. Without water, we can't survive. And disasters often destroy a community's access to water. An example of this would be earthquakes which often break pipe systems or hurricanes, which contaminate water sources. Jeremiah Roberts, one of our engineers who specializes in water sanitation and hygiene, explained this more. 
you don't get much time from disaster to people feeling the effects of mm-hmm. uh, disrupted systems for drinking water. And so you can just see pretty quickly how that affects people negatively before you come and how the disaster kind of strips that away. But then as you step in and provide that water, you see the gratitude. And then even when you get past the issue of like water and dehydration, if the source of water is dirty, uh, now you're talking about the largest spreader of disease in the world is dirty water. But the percentage of disease, waterborne disease, and the, the lives, particularly of children that it takes every year uh, in the third world is um, really astounding. I asked Daphne, one of our team members in Uganda, how she has seen water change lives. This has helped them so, so, so very much. It has helped in reduction of diseases because they cannot now go to the wells and they have given us success stories where they now have to get water. You know, they practice this water for frequent hand washing, you know, even in the latrines that of course are shared, but now having this water has really helped them a lot. Barry Jessen, our country director in Cambodia, also shared with me the importance of drilling wells and how it is just the beginning of the story. Because when you, when you drill a well, it, it's not just you've drin- drilled a well and it's finished. The well is the beginning. The well is the beginning of hope. It's their ability to build a future. It's, it's the beginning of community getting stronger. So, so what we, we do is we identify communities that are dry uh, and we go in and do ground surveys and start drilling wells. Once you've got water, then immediately you've got clean drinking water. So immediately your your diarrhea and disease drops down. So children don't miss as many days school. So education increases, like enrollments at schools start to increase. Um, You get the ability then because the wells that we drill are not just holes in the ground that have water. Uh, We do tanks with them and complete piping reticulation systems. So we drill a well and we pipe water to houses the same as you do. Like, so for the first time in these people's lives, they they turn on a tap in their house and water comes out. Uh, So there's no more walking to wells. So then you you can water your garden. You can keep your pigs alive. You can keep your chickens alive. Uh, the elderly and the sick have got as much access to water as the strong and healthy. I loved hearing their perspective, and I wish I could have talked to even more of our team members. I always love hearing firsthand from our teams in the field. But water sanitation and hygiene is more than just drinking water, as Ken explained more about. Water is a key part of it. It's a key part of what we do. And um, and likewise, you know, on the, on the sewage end, um, you know, how do you manage waste? How do you do it in a way that doesn't spread disease or, or, or make people sicker? And, mm-hmm. and do, how do they wash their hands if, you know, if they're displaced or if they're uh, living in a hut, if they're in a, in a real primitive setting? Uh, they don't know to wash their hands. They don't. Uh, so, you know, those kind of instructions, those kind of materials and Um, capabilities that are given to people help save lives. It's important to provide them with safe water, you know, to prevent, you know, waterborne disease, but it's also important to educate them on how they wash their hands appropriately, all these hygiene practices that, you know, go hand in hand with um, 
safe drinking water and then also access to latrines for the sanitation aspect. That was Brent Carr. He serves as the global technical advisor of our water sanitation and hygiene programs around the world. And while I was at our warehouse in North Carolina, I had the chance to, to hear from him in the midst of a busy day. Our team was working to send community water filtration systems to Turkey. Now you've been in the field many times. You've been, probably been able to see uh, the fruits of you know your labor and, and the long hours. So can you talk about, yeah, what is it like to see communities receive water? Yeah, it's, well, it's really fulfilling as an engineer. You know, we always are looking for ways to use our technical skill set to impact people. And yeah, it's such a rewarding thing when you can just see the expression, the emotion on their face, to see that you provided them with something they haven't had, um, and the opportunity to walk alongside them, you know, and offer them something tangible is, is quite rewarding. And then the opportunity to speak truth in their life and hopefully open up the door for, you know, spiritual conversations. I'd say that's the, the best part of being able to do what we do. The work of providing clean water and educating beneficiaries on the importance of hygiene practices is extremely rewarding. As Ken and I discussed earlier, it's something that we take for granted living in a Western country. But simple changes can really transform communities. Ken also shared a story from Ethiopia that impacted him personally. And I remember when I was in Ethiopia, drilling. This was in um, 1989. It was a long time ago. Um, we put a lot of time and preparation in to train communities to fix their water pumps. And there were different schools of thought. And what we found out was where a pump was working when that pump would break, the the people in the village would send runners to add us to come and get us. And we would say, well, what's wrong? And it wasn't that the pump's broken. It was our children have diarrhea. We, we, we Our clean water's not coming out. They realized that uh, right away. And uh, that was the driving force. And the other big thing was I remember many, many, many villages where the women would spend over eight hours a day moving water and, you know, on a big clay jar on their head or they would have it on their back with a strap around their head. And um, it was called Ensara, was what the jug is called. But uh, the majority of the time it, in, in the waking day was spent going to get, you know, mm -hmm. five gallons of dirty water. And, and that, that's what they had in the house. So uh, by providing clean water, you're actually able to um, uh, allow their time to be used, you know, for other things mm -hmm. that are of greater value and they can do more things. It, it there's studies that show that it facilitates children going to school. Providing opportunity for children to go to school is a tangible way that clean water makes a difference. One of our podcast correspondents, Caitlin, had the chance to talk to a school principal in Yemen. Samaritan's Purse had recently built a water treatment facility in the principal's community. And she explained how clean water changed their school attendance. <laughs> The, the majority who are, I mean, absent for the school, uh, 20% from these children. And the now, they, I mean, they, they, they are a majority and they are, I mean, 90% at the school. So only 20% came yes. before, but now 90%. Yes. When Samaritan's Purse established a water treatment facility in this community, children no longer had to walk for hours to collect water for their families. But their health also improved 
diarrhea and other waterborne illnesses declined, and school attendance skyrocketed. From only 20% attending school each day to 90%. That is incredible. Another thing I love about our water projects is that they bring communities together. Water points are often central places for the community to gather together, and so the location that Samaritan's Purse installs these is strategic. We also found out that there are social circles that have been established around water points, and even if it's a dirty water point, like a lot of times uh, women appreciate the opportunity to get away from everything for three or four hours and go meet with, and talk, you know, and, and the kids will... You know, they'll bring a jug along, too, and and play. But um, I've never seen anyone not appreciate greatly clean water. Mm-hmm. And so we talked to some of our partners that they put the water systems near a church, you know, so that way that the church became a place to congregate. I love the way that some of our programming can put it near a church. So people will come to the church for water. And like you said, it becomes community, becomes fellowship. Yes, yeah. So in Ukraine right now is mm-hmm. an example of that. We have drilled uh, 19 or 20 wells, mm-hmm. and we put reverse osmosis. So all of that water in those wells is brackish. It's, it's mm-hmm. partly salt. So we set up reverse osmosis, and we put every one of those wells on the property of a church. So the church is able to extend mm-hmm. you know, its reach further into the community. The community comes to the church. There is fellowship. There is uh, sharing of the gospel. There is uh, all of the things that you would think that would happen at a church helping in Jesus' name is going on. Mm-hmm. And one of the big challenges that we had was bringing all the denominations together to so you know all of the wells weren't in one denomination, but they would mm-hmm. spread it out. But they came together in uh, brotherhood and uh, fellowship. Thousands of people every day come and um, get water from there. They came for a physical resource, but many times this opens up opportunities for our church partners to share the hope that they found in Jesus Christ. And we all know physically how vital water is to survive, but there's a greater need that we all have. And Jesus explains this in John 4. I love the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. He tells her in verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And Jesus tells her earlier in the passage that he is the living water, and he spoke this message to the Samaritan woman near a well. And I loved how he used the physical water at a well to talk about the spiritual importance that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, for everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And this is the lasting eternal hope that quenches our spiritual thirst. And this is why we offer physical aid with Samaritan's Purse. We give water so that we can introduce people to the living water. Digging community wells at churches is not something new to Samaritan's Purse. And Ken shared how we've been doing this since the 90s. It's an effective way of helping in Jesus' name and pointing people to Christ, and that is our mission, sharing the gospel with people who are hurting. And we never want to be stagnant in that. We want to continue to look for ways to meet tangible needs in a way that opens doors for people to hear the gospel. And so, and then the water filtration system you mentioned, um, we went to the warehouse, you know, they showed us around, showed us what it was, and they said, you know, it's pretty a pretty standard system, but... Samaritan's Purse has over the years tailored it to our work, you know, to make it more portable, aluminum, to make it lighter, to be able to get on the DC-8. 
We have four of these mounted on trailers and then another two that are just on the racks. So this, this section here, these four cages are the, in this setup, it's the pre-filter for the reverse osmosis, but this can also be a standalone. I mean, I love the way that these engineers have just tweaked and tweaked in every deployment. They continue to want to make it better. So how have how's this system helped programming as well? So it's opened up really a whole new world for us uh, to, to be able to take uh, water that has salt in it and desalinize it uh, and, and then turn it into fresh water. The first time I saw that done was in 1999 in Albania at a refugee camp that we built there during the Kosovo War. And the United Nations High Commission for Refugees had brought two desalinization machines there. Mm -hmm. And they were manufactured in Israel. And uh, they're quite large machines. And uh, But I found it, you know, as a guy that had a background in water, it was fascinating to me. And now uh, we're building these ourselves and we're, we're customizing them, mm -hmm. as you said, you know, for the weight because we're transporting them by air. So we've got very bright and dedicated engineers and it's neat to see those uh, water filtration units um, come out of the plane, be moved and set up and start producing clean water on the ground. It's always a fun fun to come back after a response when you yeah. have all the things running through your head while you're going, ah, that could be better, be better. Ah, that could be better, and then you get back and then you can start, you know, bringing those to life a little bit. That was Jeremiah again. As one of the engineers working on that project, they are always innovating and working to improve our systems. He gave me a tour of the warehouse in North Carolina where we store these water filtration systems. Samaritan's first values speed a lot uh, for disaster response and so we want to be able to get there quickly and start meeting needs as quickly as possible um, and so for us that that um, involves yeah quite a bit of engineering and water chemistry and all those things and so we just want to be able to um, yeah we always kind of have an eye as we as we deploy for okay how 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 could this be faster how could mm -hmm. this be better um, and, you know, as engineers, we like thinking about those things anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, so our wheels are kind of always turning on, um, okay, what worked, what didn't work, and how can we improve? As we walked through the warehouse, I was so impressed. It's not just units on a shelf, but they're manufacturing entire water systems. They're even welding pieces together in the fabrication area. Other engineers are focused on testing the units and continuing to improve them after every single deployment. But all of this hard work is about affecting the lives of people in Jesus' name. You've seen it lived out. You've told us the, the big picture. But, yeah, can you tell us how has it changed? I mean, like you said, kids get to go to school now. Moms are now freed up, you know, with their time. So, obviously, it's it's changing lives. But how have you seen it spiritually uh, change communities? In Cambodia, mm -hmm. uh, we undertook a program to set centralized water systems up in, in whole villages. And um, the, the village might be 500 or 800 people or 1,000 people. But I went over for a dedication when uh, the first one was dedicated, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. That is a part of what we're doing there. What I have seen is a church rise and prosper and grow. I've seen deep appreciation 
um, from government officials, from community officials, community leaders, from everyday citizens uh, to us for the water system. It's changed their life. It's changed what they can produce, uh, the vegetables that they grow, that yeah. they can raise chickens, that their children are healthy, uh, that they are healthy, that they have they have a tap. I mean, it's a, it's a simple, it's just a gravity-fed system mm -hmm. with PVC pipe, and it comes up in your house, mm. and you have a tap in, mm. of cold water in your house. That's what you've got. But I think that it opens doors for the gospel. I think it opens doors for relationships. I think it improves lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that it um, is one of the best investments that can be made is to provide clean water. Yeah. And I, I think there's no better practical demonstration of the love of Christ than cup of cold water. As Ken shared, water is a practical way to show God's love. Barry Jessen, our country director in Cambodia, he shared a powerful testimony with me of how he's seen this play out. She was a grandma. She, she was caring for her 10 grandchildren. Her, her children, her two sons and their wives were working in Thailand to try and support the family, but it wasn't going well. Her husband was very sick, and so she got the first well. Uh, and if you go back and visit her today, her life is transformed. She has an oasis of, of vegetables and fruit trees and chickens. She gave her life to Christ, and all the ten grandchildren gave their life to Christ. If you go back to visit that lady today, uh, she's now, she says, I've gone from being the poorest and the most disadvantaged. I am now middle class. The village looked to her because she learned how to dream. Uh, the water gave her the hope to dream of a better future. And in that, now her children have come back from Thailand. So she's no longer looking after the grandkids anymore because they make enough money with the water to support the family. They're, so their life has been transformed. Their whole village, the village of Chukche, saw her example and followed it, uh, and the village has been transformed. I love that story of transformation. She went from being one of the poorest and most disadvantaged members of the community to being middle class and now being a leader. I truly can't imagine the burden lifted as her children are now home to raise their own children. That well opened up an opportunity, and it didn't just give them clean water. It provided a source of income, renewed their health, and ultimately introduced them to Jesus Christ. And that is what it's all about, meeting physical needs to open the doors for their spiritual needs to be met. Ken shared that in Ukraine alone, we've drilled 20 wells, and each of these are on the property of churches. When I think about what is happening in Ukraine, it's such a dark time that people are living in. I pray that these wells are sources of light. And I love Matthew 5, verse 16. And this is what I think of when I think of our teams on the ground. Um, it says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. And this is why our teams go and they partner with local churches to be a light in the community and people will see their good works and want to know why they're here. And so as we close, I just want to give you a few ways to be praying specifically for our WASH programs. Uh, pray for our work in Turkey. After the earthquake, you know, we have an emergency field hospital. 
But also, as I said, when I was at the warehouse in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, when I was talking to Jeremiah and Brent, you know, they were working hard to ship out multiple water filtration systems on our DCA cargo plane. And these systems are now in Turkey. So please be praying as families receive clean water from these units. Uh, pray for our wash teams around the world as they dig wells and teach proper hygiene techniques. Pray that each of these projects will not only bring physical relief and the water, but the living water, as we talked about in Jesus Christ. Pray for our team engineers working worldwide. Pray for wisdom as they creatively work to build better and more efficient systems. And if you want to keep up with other ways that you can pray for Samaritan's Purse, follow us on Instagram at OnTheGroundSP. And you can also go to our website, SamaritansPurse.org. You'll find so many more stories like the one Ken shared today and how God is using your prayers to support people and to introduce them to Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We thank you for your prayers and your support to the ministry. God bless you.